This is the True North Collective podcast, a gathering of unsugarcoated conversations on wellness created by the real-life documentation of everyday humans fearlessly finding their true north. Welcome to Season 1, Episode 10. Hey guys, I'm Janelle Reisner, a certified fitness instructor and personal trainer, an entrepreneurial badass, and a recovering sugar addict. Hello, I'm Rachel Bilotti. I am a life and mindset coach, a free-spirited entrepreneur, a road trip junkie, and unicorns are my spirit animal. We are the hosts of the True North Collective podcast. What's going on, Rachel? Um, I don't know. I feel like I've been just good busy. I actually, I last week I coached twenty two people in one week. It was Dang. pretty awesome. Like one on one. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Amazing. Was, yeah, actually, six of them were in a group, but then all the rest of them were one on ones. Yeah, it was really really cool. So That's that was awesome. kind of. Yeah, that was a fun little accomplishment. Um, And then I'm probably going to be coaching, you know, at least 10 to 12 each week for the next three months. So, yeah, it's really, really good. Um, Are those like one hour sessions or and are they the same people like build and you're building upon the coaching? Um, Some of them are one hour. Some of them are 30. Some of them are building on some of them are more spread out so it kind of is a a combination yeah 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 so it's it's exciting it's really exciting and I'm meeting some some really rad people so are they are they like Dallas people or are they Milwaukee or everywhere um some are Milwaukee and some are Dallas I was trying to think if there's any and there's one in Saskatchewan oh dang yeah in Canada (laughs) Nice. Yeah, it's You're making fun. it happen. I'm so proud of you. Sure am. That's Thanks. Exciting. Yeah. Yeah, it is really exciting. Um, besides that, my my little car is really struggling down here. Oh, so no. the AC died and I went to go take it in and they said it was gonna be over two thousand dollars to get it. Oh my god. <laughs> so Ugh. I'm not gonna get it fixed. Yes, I know, so I'm gonna roll the windows down. <laughs> it's it's pretty it's pretty gross. I walk in every time I walk into work, I'm just like have the crotch sweat. It's so <laughs> bad. I'm like, yes, sorry guys. They're like, you still not fixed? I'm like, no, I don't have over two thousand dollars to spend. Oh. I, so when I was in Milwaukee a year and a half ago, I got the AC fixed, and apparently it was only a one year warranty. Um, oh, that sucks. So. It broke and it broke worse this time. So, Aww. you know, so there's a there's a, a teacher here who fixes cars and he's referred me to a few places. So um, we're, we'll see what happens after those additional conversations. But not very fun in the height of summer in Dallas to have your car AC break. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think so. we need to have a whole conversation at some point around crotch sweat, by the way. <laughs> it's funny because some people will come and talk to me and be like, I really am trying to find pants that don't show my swass. And then I'm like, ooh. I was like, I don't really know if there are such a thing. Maybe just pants that dry quicker than some yeah. of the other ones. Um, but I'm pretty sure if you sweat, that's going to happen. And that's just the way that it is. <laughs> I know. I always feel like when we were working at Spire, like, that that community understood <laughs> like it was just a normal thing you could talk right. about and now I've yeah. been working out at work in like a corporation gym and it's so funny that you said that because yesterday I was working out and I was like it literally looked like I peed my pants and there are a bunch yeah. of people in there and I was like this feels uncomfortable like I'm okay with this and I know it's normal but I'm like I feel a little uncomfortable being at like my corporate work site and walking around in yoga pants and having it look like I just peed my pants I don't know <laughs> Uh, I mean, I guess, I don't know, the more comfortable I get with myself, I'm kind of like, yep, it is what it is. Yeah. And then most of the time people are like, no, I, it happens to me too. Like, yeah, so, I think it was because funny. I was also the only woman working out at the time. So I feel like 
I don't know if men, I mean, it probably happens to them in some way, shape, or form, but you can't tell through their baggy pants. And so yeah. I think I was like, oh, man, there's no other women around to share, like, this, the crotch sweat problem. <laughs> oh, my God. No one yeah. at me. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, no, but I actually, and then I started my half marathon training this week. So, um, yeah, it's been good. I typically when I run down hills, so every Friday I run, um, hills with the November project here and they run early in the morning. It's still really hot, but they run early in the morning. And so, but on the down of the hill, I'm really careful. My knees hurt. I see people like flying down the hill and I'm like, oh man, to be young again. <laughs> and this, this past Friday, I have been really focusing on using running to pay attention to like what hurts in my body. And then do exercises that build up the muscles that would strengthen the strengthen the muscles that would hold my body properly so that the joints don't hurt as much. Nice. And um, the downhill, I was like, oh my God, oh my God, I'm like a 14 year old again. <laughs> it was so cool. So That's awesome. um, it was good. definitely like, I was basically, you know how they always say like when you do tuck jumps and stuff like land quietly. And mm -hmm. so I was using that same mentality and really like holding my shoulders down and my core in and with each like landing, I was really trying to be more of like a spring and land as lightly as possible. And it was, I was like, Oh my God, I'm using my body properly. This is amazing. So nice. yeah, it was kind of fun. Yeah. So we'll see only week one. I've got 22 weeks to go or 21 weeks or something. <laughs> so daunting. Yeah. I have mm -hmm. not, my cardio game has not been strong, but I think I'm okay with it. I think I'm going to go yeah. back, back to my roots and uh, just keep lifting. Yeah. Feels I always right feel like when I, take, yeah, when I take a big break from stuff, I usually come back stronger because I've done some sort of cross training and I don't know, it just brings me into whatever I was doing in a stronger place, like with stronger other muscles. So yeah, for sure. I agree. Yeah. It just what, what works better. Yeah. You got new wood floors. Yeah. We got our floors finally installed. So that's new. That was exciting. We ripped out most of the carpet in our new place, which was much yeah. needed. Um, just only a little bit of carpet left, which at some, some point that'll go away. But budget did not allow for all of it to get ripped out. Yeah. <laughs> so that was exciting. So yeah, this weekend we probably, no, we're going to, I shouldn't say probably, we need to, we'll actually set up a bedroom. I'm hoping tonight for the first time since I moved here to have a bed set up in our house. That's so cool. <laughs> but I think I'm going to miss I'm my jealous. mattress. You could set it up in one of your other bedrooms. Right. And I mean, there's going to be a bedroom that's completely empty. So I guess the air yeah. can still go in there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We've been, when they were doing the floors, we've been sleeping in the living room. And mm -hmm. I'm like, this feels like a sleepover every night. Like when you and your friends as kids would like sleep around the TV with your air mattresses yeah. and your pillows and on the couch. I'm like, we've pretty much just been having like a multi-week sleepover. <laughs> Yeah. Do you, did I ever tell you when I was getting ready to move to uh, Canada and they had to pick up my stuff? They were like, we have to schedule a date to pick up all your stuff in July, regardless of if the permit has gone through or not, because if we don't, then there, you'll run out of spots to like have your stuff picked up. And so they picked me up and I literally had nothing. I had nothing. And so I was living in my basement in a tent and a sleeping bag. <laughs> I think you didn't tell me that. <laughs> I was basically, <laughs> and I'd wake up in the morning and Dylan had like the crackling fire on the iPad and there would be like beer cans. <laughs> I was like, this is literally legitimately a campsite in my basement. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. <laughs> it didn't last very long. I was like, oh, okay, I need to be in a, an actual living situation. <laughs> yeah. Funny. Other than that, though, getting ready, work's ramping up, which is exciting. I'm starting to teach yeah. trainings on my own, which cool. feels good, and building out a training actually for them. So that's exciting to be Amazing. able to do. Yeah, it feels it feels good to start to get into the swing of things, which is nice. Yeah. And, How long has it been? Uh, April 30th, I started. 
So it'll be almost three months. Yeah, it'll be three months coming up. I always find three months is the point in a new job or a new scenario where I don't have to like, I'm not overwhelmed just by like even walking to the bathroom or going to the grocery (laughs) store because you don't know where anything is or who anyone is. And then six months is when you like really are just like, you're doing your thing and it's happening. Yeah. Well, (laughs) anything else or should we uh, introduce our guest today? All right. Let's introduce (laughs) Jesse. All right. Well, I'm excited because we are welcoming Jesse Gitter today to the podcast. And Jesse has been a friend of ours, a previous coworker, and a Ragnarian teammate, and also just an all around badass. Um, she's inspired us in so many ways, including her evolution into veganism, her minimalist lifestyle, and the power and confidence that she displays while still being true to herself as an introvert. Hey, Jesse, welcome to the podcast. Thanks so much for having me. How's it going? Good, good, good. It's so good to hear your voice, Jesse. Yeah, you too. I miss you, ladies. I know. I miss you too. So used to seeing you every Monday and Wednesday night. <laughs> I know, right? All sweaty. Yeah, exactly. Sweaty crotch. <laughs> Sweaty crotch. Sweaty crotch yes. For real though. Rowing and biking especially. Those two things yeah. will give you oh a very God. sweaty crotch. Totally. Totally. Dude, real, I just start doing talk. I just start doing um oh my god, not lunges. What squats. squats. Oh my god, dude. Squats every time. I'm just like, eh, there it is. Yeah. I feel ya. I feel ya. Well, Jesse, we know a lot about you, but why don't you tell everyone listening a little bit about yourself, how you got here, what you're currently up to? Yeah, so I was born and raised in Wisconsin, uh, spent a couple years on the West Coast in LA and Portland, spent a year in South Carolina, but I've been back in Milwaukee for about five and a half years. This is definitely home. Uh, I work for the state of Wisconsin. (laughs) help people with disabilities find work. Uh, That's my full-time day job. And then a couple days a week, I also am a fitness instructor, group fitness instructor at Spire Fitness. Mm -hmm. I would say Jesse was one of those clients that you were always there and you had such good form and we were like, man, I was like, you know, she should be an instructor. I can totally see her doing this. Yeah, and I I totally appreciate that. And becoming an instructor has been one of the most difficult and rewarding things I've done as an adult. I've grown so much from it. And it's true. I was like, I, you know, I first approached you to work, you know, at the front desk mm-hmm. and checking people in and you're like, well, I'm like, oh, my God, that sounds scary. <laughs> But I'm gonna I'm gonna give it a shot and hopefully you know do a little growing and I definitely did, yeah. Yeah, and your classes great. are great. I always love to go to them. I miss it too. Yeah. I, sometimes I like look at the schedule and I'll be like, man, when I haven't really figured <laughs> out my fitness scene here, and I was like, I wish I could just pop into the, like Jesse's rowing class. It's always cool too to see. I mean, Jesse, as you said, said yourself, you're more of an introvert, but to see your style like when you're in front of a class you are so present and mm-hmm. so powerful and bold and um it seems like such a juxtaposition to hear that you are more of an introvert because you just like shine up there and so i think it's really cool to to remember that it's like not just extroverts who have energy and like amazingness to bring to the world like we all do mm-hmm. Yeah, totally. It's some, uh, sometimes after class, I'll be like, was that me? I, I was just so <laughs> energetic. Like, who who was that person? You know, that come home to my quiet apartment. And but yeah, it's definitely a different, a different world once I step into that room, that studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Was there ever another area of your life where that was like that? Or was it mostly just in the instructing where that started to happen? No, I don't. I don't think that ever came out anywhere else. No, huh. that's a newly discovered side of myself, actually. It's so cool. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And do you see do you see it expanding in other places of your life now, or do you still feel like it's pretty compartmentalized? Um, 
I think it like in different ways. I think that like how I interact with people, I'm more outgoing, um, mm-hmm. but not on, not nearly on the same level. But yeah, you know, like, yeah. like doing Ragnars, like I'm all about get you know getting it in there and cheering on cheering on teammates. Um, but yeah, it's definitely on a different level in the studio. It's so cool. I'm so proud of you for doing that. Oh, thank you, thank you. <laughs> And I love. I have to say, when I think about Ragnar, Janelle and I did a like a recap of it on this, and your face. I don't remember what loop I was on, but your face coming into one of those loops. I think it was like a late night one, and you were just there, and I was just like, "Oh my god!" Like I was just so happy that you were there, <laughs> and it's like a pivotal memory from oh. Ragnar. You were so good at just being there. It was awesome. Yeah, that's, that's one of the things I really love about it um, is just being there to cheer each other on, even if it's three in the morning. Um, mm-hmm. And that's something that with the, the Ragnar Road, you get a little bit more of that. Um, mm-hmm. the, the trail series, you know, people are sleeping more, but, you know, it's just it's awesome to see people come in and cheer them on, on their next leg out. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah. You do have that presence, though, Jesse. I have to say, like, between Ragnar and then even with you teaching classes, there's just something very comforting about your presence that, that you bring to the table, especially when you're going through through something tough. And I think it maybe, I don't know, maybe it's because you have this sense of calmness, sort of, even in spaces of intensity, that when you're, like, really pushing yourself, you're like, it's okay, like, Jesse's up there and she's still cool as a cucumber, like, I can do this. <laughs> Dude, totally. <laughs> that's awesome. That's, that's very cool to hear. I like that. Well, one of the areas that we wanted to talk to you about today is your your lifestyle in being a minimalist. Because that was one of, I think, the first things I learned about you outside of, you know, you as a, a group fitness participant was that you had this minimalist lifestyle and this community that you were a part of, and I was completely fascinated by it, and I would love to be able to dive a little bit deeper into that today. Yes, let's do that. I love talking about minimalism. Yeah. So tell us about it. Like, okay, <laughs> and let's just pretend someone out there maybe has no idea what it is. Um, maybe start with that and then tell us how you got into it. Sure. Well, I think, I think it can mean different things to different people. Um, for me, it's about living more intentionally, um, and paying attention to what's around me, who I surround myself with, how I spend my time and really honing in on what's important, um, and what adds value to my life. Um, but you know, some people might think of minimalism as having 50 items in their house. And that's what it means to be a minimalist. I don't think that's what it means. Um, to me, it's just more about intentional living. How um, is it? How is it different from mindful, like what you might call mindful living, Jesse? To you? Sure. I think. I think they're to me they're pretty similar and go hand in hand. I think minimalism does add more of that component of living with less. I mm. would say. Um, and I really do like getting rid of things. So, you know, for me, that is an important part of it too, is just not having a lot of things, things surrounding me. I love that nuance because I think sometimes when I've done like minimalist challenges with people, you can tell that it really like pains them to get rid of some stuff. And so it feels like they're just getting rid of stuff because they're supposed to Right. versus what I hear you saying is you're being really thoughtful about it. Like, yes, there's an element of letting go and that's not the whole picture. Yeah, totally. Um, You know, how I got into minimalism is because of a minimalist game. Um, My brother had uh, asked me to do this 30 day minimalism game. Um, These guys called them who call themselves the minimalists. They um, posted something on Instagram. And so it's easiest to start on the first day of the month. 
Um, you get rid of one thing on the first day, two things on the second day, and you go as long as you can. So we played that, and I got today, I think, 28 and a half. It was over 400 items. But in the process of that, there'd be stuff where, you know, I'd look at it and be like, I really like this. I'm not using it, but I don't feel ready to get rid of it yet. So it would stay, and that's okay. And I've actually, I'm, I'm on my third round currently and a lot of things that made it through the first three cut through three cuts are now on my pile to get rid of so yeah. you know like oh my gosh this one book is taking up too much room on the shelf I think I need to get rid of it you know I, I look at it I think about it for a while and then when it feels time then I'll let go of it that's so cool I that's exactly the game that I played with my friend but and yeah, and it was right before I was moving to Canada, and so I had accumulated so much crap in my house. Like, <laughs> I bought a house really young and then went through some relationships in it, and just, like, every nook and cranny got – I was like, oh, there's space for this. I'll just keep it in here. And <laughs> so it was really easy for me <laughs> to get rid of stuff. Like, <laughs> it was dumb. Um, but, yeah, it really that, – that purge – there kind of kind of got me on a path to of like let's see if I could get to a place where I can only I only have what I can carry in my car and um and it what there was something really liberating about um about it and the realization of how my things were actually taking up energetic space in my life too um, and how letting them go was really like actually made me feel lighter. Wow. Do you feel like you were like losing a sense of security by all your possessions fitting in a vehicle? No, oh, nice. I felt, I was just like, oh my gosh, I could go anywhere and I could do anything. And like most, most of the things that I fit in my car, it was really funny. The stuff that stuck was this TV that I've had forever. <laughs> Um, my, all my sporting equipment, some fishing poles and like t a tackle box <laughs> and like some old t-shirts that like I acquired from family members and stuff. Um, and then like a bunch of journals and art stuff. Like it was all my adventure things and not, I don't know, not the things I thought that I was going to need. Um, and then of course I, I collect crystals in all the different places that I am and I've what's interesting is that I actually have gotten to a place now where I wasn't sure why I was collecting them and why I was keeping them. Um, and since I've gotten to Dallas, I, my intuition has been telling me that there's certain people who are supposed to have them. And so I've actually been in the process of like gifting them as inspired and it feels so cool. I was like, ah, that's why I was holding on to these longer than I probably would have thought that I would. Um, but it's been cool to see them have this life cycle. Like I was just a carrier of them until they could get into the right person's hands. That's oh, awesome. Cool. Yeah. Now, Jesse, with minimalism too, and maybe Rachel, you can kind of speak to this too with your experiences, but I think it was you, right? Who said you got rid of like all your yearbooks, like you don't own a single yearbook from your past. Is that correct? Yeah, there was during one of the, the rounds of the minimalist game, I got rid of all my yearbooks and all my, pretty much all of my photos. Whoa. Yeah. So yeah. how does that feel? Because I, I think a lot of people, when they think of getting rid of things or, you know, minimalism, they're like, no, but these are things that carry so much memory or they're, you know, they're somewhat of a keepsake to me. I can't do that. Like, how did you get over that hurdle? Was that just a natural mindset for you or did it take some effort? Um, I think I like really sat with it and was like, thought, you know, what value do these to me? I, you know, I narrowed it down to a pieces of paper, like what value do they bring? And high school, you know, I had good high school years, nothing amazing. I wasn't in sports. I didn't participate in activities or clubs. So it was just, you know, it's like they didn't, they didn't do anything for me. So I was like, why do I have them? You know, I moved them to South Carolina. I moved them to Los Angeles. They went all over the country with me. Never once have I opened a yearbook and looked mm -hmm. at it. Sure. And um, 
so it just it just felt right to let go of them and the pictures you know I wasn't looking at the pictures either I kept a stack of ones from when I was really young um, but it, it was the same thing and I think there's been one time since I tossed them where I thought oh I would let I wish I still had that one picture but other otherwise I you know I haven't missed any of that at all I like the extra space I have in my closet so it just really, you know, like when I really thought about it, like what value are these bringing? And also, you know, I still have the memories, mm-hmm. you know, I don't need a yearbook to remind me of what it was like in high school. You know, those memories will stick with me. Yeah. Do, do you feel like that helps you live in the present a little bit more? Yeah, I think it does. And I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, you know, I have some family members who hold on to things from, you know, from a long time ago. And I think there's, you know, some really old fun memories tied to those things, but I think they can also bring up sadness too. And, you know, like I wish things were still that way. Um, And it keeps, I feel like it keeps people in the past, definitely, instead of in the present and also looking, Mm -hmm. you know, at what's next. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I sort of feel that like now even moving sometimes and there are certain things that were really important to me and yeah, some bring back good memories, but a lot of times too, like when I see those things, it's almost like a little trigger to like, oh, but I really love this about Milwaukee or I really love this about, you know, X, Y, Z. And even from like the standpoint of social media, which obviously isn't necessarily a tangible thing, but I'm like starting to unfollow a lot of accounts. Um that I was following that like really back to Milwaukee because every time I see them I'm like oh but I'm missing that it's like that sense of missing out where um you know you wouldn't even think about it but because you're seeing whether that be like a tangible item or something on social media you're like oh man like I'm missing that and trying to sort of like let go of that even um and uh, like unclutter even my like social accounts to make sure that what I'm exposing myself to is something that brings a positive aspect to my life today rather than what it was before I'm off all social media now and that's been a very interesting Mm. transition yeah you've kind of done that before right yeah I took a I, I got off Instagram for a while um and then I got off Facebook for about four months and you know that was that was cool I was happy with that but then I got back on it um and then I was out in Yosemite recently and just decided I was going to delete it. And so, um, you know, cause it was just, you know, I felt like the majority of what was on there, it just wasn't adding value to my life. The minimalists say that use the word value a lot, but it wasn't adding value to my life. I liked, you know, certain posts people would put in the events, but otherwise it just felt like a time suck. And so mm-hmm. I've been pr- really happy to be off it, but what's been so interesting is the urge to like get on my phone and look at something. You know, it's like mm. I have one second of time where I'm not doing something and my phone comes out and I want to look at something. And so, I'm, I, you know, I have the awareness, but I haven't been able to, like, work through that because I find myself looking at my emails 50 times a day, even though I don't have new emails coming in. But it's that urge to look at something and scroll through something. And so... Mm. Um, that's definitely something I've noticed. And so I'm, I'm working on detaching from that right now. Isn't that funny? I actually had that in my transition time between the start and um, the start of this job and my last job too, like going into my email and like checking emails and I'm like, I don't even work here anymore. Like what am I doing? And it's, yeah, it's like this urge or this like habit. You're so used to doing it. And I'm like, literally none of this is relevant to me, but I still have the urge to like look through a cluttered inbox that doesn't have any connection to my present life. And it's so funny that we like, I don't know, that we're creatures of habit, I guess, or that we, we feel the need to fill our time with something rather than just sitting there. My relationship with screens is, you know, definitely changed. I got rid of my TV. Uh, it's probably like a year and a half ago. I haven't missed that one bit. Um, so yeah, it's definitely something I've been working on. That's um, awesome. Yeah, yeah. Do you still do you watch any TV? Like, do you ever watch TV on your computer or movies, or have you completely eliminated 
all forms of television on any screen. Yeah, no, I, I do still, I have Netflix. So maybe okay. it's not so fair to say I got rid of my TV, but I think just not even having the actual TV in my room, in my living room, makes a difference. Mm-hmm. You know, that, you know, my energy never gets directed toward a, that screen. But yeah, I do watch, you know, Netflix or movies on my computer, my little 13 inch <laughs> laptop, but it's, it's all I need, it's, it's perfect. Yeah. Jesse, when you first started all this, um, did you, I mean, I hear it going from like things, minimalism with your things to permeating now even behaviors and um, maybe even like thoughts and emotions too. Did you see it going that direction when you first started or were you just like, oh, let's see what happens? Yeah, I think it was just like this, you know, like it started off like, oh, it'll be fun to get rid of get rid of some stuff in my place and see how far I can take it. Um, mm-hmm. And then it definitely involved, evolved into, you know, my more my thought process and also taking a look at my relationships, mm-hmm. kind of like crept into all areas of life. And something that I'm looking at right now is um, related to time and how I spend my time. Um, there was an yeah. interesting interesting podcast. I listened to uh, Rich Roll's podcast. He had uh, Jesse Itzler on. He's mm-hmm. had a couple times, but it was the most recent one. And he talks about his relationship with time, Jesse does. And, you know, that kind of got me thinking about how I spend my time and um, what makes me happy and maybe some areas I need to cut back. And so um, definitely making some changes there. And one thing I did is I downloaded an app called Moment. And this is related to screen time again, but um, it tracks how many times you look at your phone and how long you spend on it. And the other day I had an hour and a half on my phone. I don't know what I was doing. I must have checked <laughs> times that day. Um, but, you know, I was like, oh, that's that's a lot. That's an hour and a half out of 24 hours. You know, I wish I would have spent doing something else. So, um, you know, a lot of it is just awareness. Um, and then it might take me a while to move into the action part of it, but I, you know, I at least have the awareness now. Yeah, totally. I, um, what you're bringing up reminds me of when minimalism first started, when I first started hearing about it, I don't know, maybe like, I guess it would have been six or seven years ago at this point when I first played the game. Um, I ended up meeting with a woman or, um, going to an art show, called body thoughts and meeting the, the woman who put it on. And she was talking to me a lot about essentialism and it sounds a lot about, or it sounds similar to what you're saying in terms of intentionality. Um, and I just love that across the board, it's almost like you're giving yourself permission to just ask yourself to like pause and ask yourself, like, what do I want to do with this? And, um, And so I just, I think it's a really cool take on, on minimalism. I think for me, it seems like it takes it a little bit further than what I've tended to expect, um, minimalism to be. Um, and I love too, that you give yourself permission to like go through the layers of the process. It's not like, you know, it's about forcing yourself to get rid of something before you're ready. It's, you know, you might get rid of it you know, three years from now and just like trusting in the purpose that it's serving along that journey is feels really, really a lot more depth to, to it than just getting rid of stuff. Yeah, to- it totally is. It's, it's definitely a process and I can really see it when, you know, certain items make it through the different rounds and then I'm finally ready to let it go. And, um, I think growing up, my my mom had a lot of stuff. I know mm-hmm. she wasn't a hoarder, but I think she was getting borderline, not like newspapers stacked to the ceiling, but just like knickknacks. And um, she really liked plants, so we had a lot of plants. And those those things brought me comfort. Um, mm-hmm. I realized that you know it made me feel safe to have all those things around me. And so when it came to time for me to move out and get my own place I noticed I had 
or I didn't actually notice it, but I had a lot of things around me as well, just like little knickknacks and figurines and sculptures. And um, as I've been going through this process, you know, it's it's shown me that those things often meant comfort to me um, and distracted me from really digging in deep and, de- and determining what was really going on. Yeah. Uh, removing some of the removing some of that value of those of those things. Yeah. It's so funny that you asked me, did you feel like when you got rid of those things, you were losing some security, um, some sense of security? And now that you're saying that, that makes sense. And it, as I reflect on my childhood, my my family has things too. Um, I remember there always being things. And I remember the holidays, I used to get in trouble all the time because they would sometimes get me things and I'd be like, I'd get really upset because if I did, if I knew I wasn't going to use the thing, I wouldn't want to accept the gift mm-hmm. and at a really young age. And so I would like hurt people's feelings inadvertently. And I'd get, I would get just so upset though, because I didn't want something that I knew I wasn't going to use. And it made me feel really, it actually made me feel heavy to have things that I didn't want around. And so it's kind of interesting and I don't know where that came from at all, um, but I've always been that way from a really young age. It's been very easy for me to get rid of things, and I feel more burdened when I have to like hold on to something that I don't, that doesn't have a purpose. <laughs> so it's kind of it's kind of interesting. It just made me remember that as a kid. <laughs> yeah, that is interesting. You were you were ahead of the game, I guess. <laughs> Yeah. That my, I think my mom would have said that I was a little rude and <laughs> a little crazy. <laughs> uh, but yeah, maybe I was a little ahead of the game. Um, yeah, I, I think that I, I think we, you know, society, I don't know if it's just American society, but we have it backwards, you know, like, I think that's common for people to get upset, like, hey, I thought of you, I spent money on this gift for you. And now mm-hmm. you're not going to accept it. Um, yeah. You know, and I, that's really kind of backwards and messed up, but that's, and that's just how it is. And my mom um, has learned um, not to buy me stuff anymore. And really like when this all first started to come along, she, I told him like, that was the best gift you could have given me for Christmas. She handmade a basket that I used for my socks. She mm-hmm. um, had made some like vanilla, um, like seasoning and she gave me like some dried beans to cook you know it was just all things that I could actually use and cool. want I was yeah it's like you know and I know when she was you know making these soaps she had me and my siblings in mind so you know that was like that was the best Christmas present she could give so cool yeah I mean my parents have definitely started veering into the more experiential gift giving um for that same reason and I think it stemmed a little bit from the fact that I don't live near them. So having me have to get on a plane with whatever they were going to give me was always like, well, we can't give her this blender, you know, like, <laughs> right. um, but it's been kind of cool to, to have the gifts start to transition into experiences because then to your point, it's like, okay, now you have this lifelong memory or, um, you know, you see something new or you have a new emotion with, with somebody, which no, maybe can't, manifest in the physical for the rest of your life but you'll have that feeling um Mm -hmm. I had um a supervisor in college and a mentor who had a really cool approach to gift giving especially for her children around Christmas she had two younger daughters and they had a deal where they only got them three things every year for Christmas one was like a big ticket item one just kind of smaller toy that they wanted because they were younger too at the time. And then they gave them one experience and that was it every single year. And I always had such an appreciation for that because I I thought about like all the money my parents probably sent on my sister and I and all the toys we had and how, you know, maybe we had fun with them. But for the most part, like half of those things and half of those toys were just taking up space and sort of wasted and even when you think about kids like they have so much fun just with their imagination and you know the little things playing with sticks outside or at least you know we did or (laughs) even I was connecting with one of my childhood friends and we used to print out pictures of these like fake little dolls it was like one piece of paper 
and we'd like choose what outfit we were going to wear. And it, it created this whole story and like a day worth of activities from just a printed sheet of paper that we could have recycled later. And, and you're like, you know, we didn't, we didn't need all those things. So I was yeah. like, at her. I was like, I almost wish actually that my parents would have done that. Just kept it really simple and, and kind of, you know, they obviously did it out of a place of love and we had some great memories, I guess, of all the of things underneath the tree. Right. But I'm like, you know what? I, if I ever choose to have children or even in my current relationships, like keeping it simple like that just feels so, so much better. <laughs> and it's, I mean, you guys both bring up a really cool point, which is like when we are gift giving or gift receiving or even shopping for ourselves, like, that process of like hitting pause and asking like, what is, what is it about this gift? Why am I giving this gift? Do I need to give this? What am I actually trying to say? What do I, what is it really that I'm, what is the, what is the movement or the energy behind this? Like I've stopped giving cards, which was a big thing for my mom because she loves cards and her way is cards. And so I love that I get cards from my my mom because for her, that's like, it's a very special love language for her. But for me, cards always just became like, um, whatever I wrote in the card wasn't actually what I wanted to say. And I would rather have a conversation and, um, but, and, and then even shopping for myself, sometimes it's like, okay, why am I picking up this shirt right now? Is it because I'm feeling, I want to feel loved oh, do I need to love myself a little bit more? Do I actually need this shirt? Like there is a whole psyche behind it that is really fascinating to allow yourself to see and unpack a little bit. Oh yeah, definitely. I think so, you know, so much of what we do is either because it's routine or impulsive and we're, we're reacting based on an emotion and uh, instead of just getting quiet and, and discovering what's really going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Jesse, what is your shopping like now? My shopping? Yeah. Um, you know, I was just out in California in Los Angeles and San Francisco. And usually, you know, I go to LA and I'd be like, all right, let's do this, drop some money. But I just had no real desire. I wanted to check out some, some sneaker shops. I guess I still have a thing for shoes, but really there's not a lot of shopping. I just thought the other day I need to get some new work clothes. So I'm going to head over to Goodwill. Um, mm-hmm. and we have one in Milwaukee that's a little bit nicer. And so I'm going to go there, but really it's, it's not, I don't shop much at all. I actually kind of dislike it now, which is really surprising. Hmm. Yeah. Interesting. Awesome. One of the mm-hmm. things that I've been doing specifically around clothes that you bring up, which is kind of been freeing is I've been renting clothes like so there are what yeah so there are um companies now that you essentially pay like a monthly subscription fee and then they purchase clothes and you can go online and they'll send you like mine comes with it's like three clothing items and two accessories and you wear them when you're done wearing them you send them back and you can do that as many times as you'd like throughout the month and that's been pretty cool because then everything's, you know, you get to have that variety in your wardrobe, but you're not, you know, just collecting clothes in your closet. And especially for items like, you know, you have all your staples, right? You need certain things, but like for, you know, dresses or scarves or even jewelry, like things that really you're like, okay, I wear this a couple mm. of times and then everyone knows it, right? And not that that really matters, but then, you know, maybe you don't wear it as much. It's just nice to not have to keep it, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So you still get that variety that you want, but then they're just going to send it back. Like they dry clean it. Someone else wears it. If you really like it, you can actually buy it. But, and again, you can do it as many times as you want. So typically like I get a box almost every single week and then it closes me for at least three days and then I can wear something from my mm. closet the other two days for work. But that's been kind of nice too. So it's helping me, like I am spending money but in a way that one, I think is a little bit more sustainable. And two, I'm not like collecting that shirt that was in fashion for, you know, a year and now it's not, and it's still sitting in my closet. Yeah. Jesse, what's your take on it when you I think mean, about I, that? Yeah, I think, you know, 
I think it's a good, a good idea. Um, I don't know. I think I'd have to think about that once more because I wonder what they do with all that, the clothes once they're no longer in style or, you know, how mm-hmm. long clothes make the run, you know? Cause I think, you know, if, if they're renting those outfits out, you know, I dare I say years, probably not, but, um, you know, I think that's, that's pretty awesome. Um, cause it, you know, the whole fast fashion industry, yeah. all that and. Mm-hmm in the trash essentially. And so this is a way, you know, I think that potentially is a good solution for that. Yeah. I'm, I need to look it up because in my mind I'm like, and I bet you they do something very like environmentally responsible with the clothes once they're done, but I don't actually know what they do. So I should look into that because in my mind that's happening. (laughs) I'm sure they donate (laughs) them or something, but um, I hope that's actually what's happening or they're at least finding a way to recycle them. And I I feel like I read that they did that, but now I'll have to look look it up to make sure that it's something that's at least environmentally positive rather than just making that assumption. It is so crazy how much stuff is out there. Like there's so much stuff. So much yeah. I just like, I just, I was just at Target today and it's just like, there's so much unpurchased stuff. Oh, like, right. it's so crazy. Target's so the crazy. best place to find stuff, too. You really, <laughs> <laughs> you oh, went to the gosh. ultimate place to uh, yeah. buy stuff. Yeah. My sing- yeah. And- oh, go for it, Jesse. Yeah. And, you know, like, all that stuff has to go somewhere. Mm-hmm. You, you know, whether someone buys it and then they use it and then it ends up in the trash or, you know, it's like that's something I've been thinking about lately, too, is, you know, whatever I bring in my home is going to like, you know, end up in the garbage or recycling. I know I realize I'm like, oh, I recycle a lot of stuff, you know, and I'm like, that's really good to recycle. But what's even better is to reuse or even bring it in the house to find alternative ways to get whatever I need without having to, you know, bring the strawberries in in the plastic container. Right. And so I love about that a lot. I love that is like a extra filter. Um, I'm totally going to steal that for myself of like, once this, you know, it's like that gate, once it makes it in the house, then like, you know, where is it going to go from there? And so do you even want it to make it into the house in the first place? Right. Yep. Um, is really interesting. I like that. It's, it's hard though. You know, like everything we buy really comes in plastic, you know, mm-hmm. it's just, it's hard to get around that. You know, I've heard of like, you know, the zero waste movement and, you know, there's this lady who makes all her own shampoo, every, you know, like they have a little container of plastic that they throw away once a year. It's like, but how realistic is it? So it's, you know, it's so challenging because I, I want to be as environmentally friendly as possible, but how realistic is it and how much time do I want to commit to this? So it's just something I'm, I'm exploring and thinking about right now. Yeah. So Jesse, how do you stay connected to the minimalist community? Well, you know, um, the minimalists, uh, the guy, their names are Joshua Fields Milburn and Ryan Nicodemus, and they have um, minimalist groups, meetups all over the country. And so Milwaukee does have one. Last I know, they were looking for a community leader, and so that's just someone who kind of keeps everyone engaged and plans the meetings. Um, but it's so ironic, and I think the minimalists probably know this, but you really need to be on Facebook in order to. <laughs> be a part of it unless some they've done something to the website and I haven't checked lately. But when I was on Facebook, you know, there's a Milwaukee minimalist page. And so you can go there and um, find out about the meetups. And I've gone to quite a few of those. And it's been interesting because sometimes there's like 15 people. The most recent one I went to, it was myself and a couple. Um, mm. It was really, really interesting conversation with those two. Um, but yeah, so it, it's, it definitely varies, but you can find them um, all over the country, really. And I think minimalism is really blown up. Uh, the minimalists have a documentary in Netflix now, and that's mm-hmm. really brought a lot of attention to what they do and, and living more minimally. And so, yeah, that's, that's, that's really how I stay mostly connected is through that group. Um, my friends, most of my friends haven't really got on board. They think I'm kind of crazy and they're just waiting for <laughs> well, what he wants to, like, 
you're going to go off the grid and stop shaving or something <laughs> like Because that. that's so crazy. All right. <laughs> Yeah, so um, I, I'm kind of like out there on my own, but my my brother, he lives in Nashville, but he's pretty into it too. So um, we stay connected about it as well. I check in with him right now, like how many things you get rid of? Send me a picture. So it's, it's you know, it's helping us stay engaged with each other as well, even though we don't yeah. hear each other. Very cool. Yeah. So if someone were looking to join a group, um, did you say you could they could find it on the minimalist website do they have a like any way to connect locally or how did you find your local group um I actually I think I just went on Facebook and typed in Milwaukee minimalist and they so they have a Facebook page um I think you do have to get approved to be a member um but every city is gonna have one through the minimalist okay, I'm cool. sure there's plenty of other you know groups out there dedicated to minimalism but um yeah so if you just do a Facebook search otherwise their website their website is really cool these guys have actually written a handful of books I've really enjoyed the ones I've read they have all these um essays on their website related to different you know relationships technology gift giving pretty cool. much anything you can think of um and I'm sure they have information about different you know, how to get in touch with your meetup group, hopefully other ways besides Facebook, but I haven't explored that yet. Well, Jesse, I know you had a pretty cool aha moment, you know, trying to find your true north recently. Would you be willing to share that with us? Thinking back over the past year or two, I've, I've had quite a few, which is pretty awesome. Um, but one, so I was living out in California. I was out there for a relationship that didn't work out. And so I moved back to Wisconsin and it was, it was a pretty tough time. Um, and I was kind of on a path to discover myself. And so I picked up this book called Quiet. Um, it's called Quiet, The Power of Introverts in a World That Can't Stop Talking. Uh, the author's name is Susan Cain. And it talks about introverts and there's so much research that backs it and why we are the way we are. And, um, I had always felt like me being quiet was a negative and I was supposed to be more outgoing, more talkative, especially when I'm in groups of people that I don't know. It is really, really challenging for me to go and like mingle with people is, is, difficult. I don't like it. I'd rather be home by myself. And so we're just reading that book, um, like confirm, helped me help to confirm that this is who I am. And it helped me to work towards accepting that. Um, so it was just, it was a really, really good book. You know, it didn't, it wasn't like a self, I didn't feel like it was a self-help book. There was actual science and research behind it. And that just really, really helped solidify things for me and kind of helped launch this path, this journey I've been on to figure out who I am and accept who I am. So what did, what was it touting in the quiet, just like that there's power in that. And so not that it's necessarily better or worse, but just to embrace it or something else. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would say so. And, and it also talks about how, you know, especially American society, it's more like focused towards extroverts and succeeding and being powerful Mm. and, um, you know, and I've really been on a path to find my passions before I feel like I didn't, I didn't really have anything I was passionate about and interests were even, I didn't really have a lot of interests. And so, um, you know, I, so that's so funny to hear Jesse, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just like, yeah, yeah, no, I, I, I didn't. And fitness was something like I would try running and I did a couple tough mutters, but I was just like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't feel good about it. And then I, I moved back to Wisconsin. I'm like, all right, something's going to change. And I trained for a half marathon and did it. And I was like, and found Spire. I was like, wow, I love fitness. This is really great. I'm actually <laughs> enjoying it now. Um, so yeah. And I think it, you know, I learned that I was going to be quietly passionate. Like I didn't need to, you know, let everyone know what I was into. You know, I could be quiet about it. And that was, that was okay. And I think, you know, my previous relationship, it, it had a lot of great things, but I think that I felt like I, I couldn't do that. And mm. so I've been, 
that book helped me to to realize that I could and it was okay. And there's other introverts out there. Like they did, they talked about a study that was done on babies and they could tell which babies were going to grow up to be introverts versus extroverts based on how they reacted to a Q-tip. I think wow. it was. <laughs> so, yeah, like this, this not this item they'd never seen before and how they reacted to it would tell them. So it was just really interesting. It's like, wow, this is this is who I am. And then learning to be like, and this is okay. That's yeah. Awesome. Yeah. It sounds like you totally just gave yourself permission or that book gave you the courage to give yourself permission to just do it your way and that that was okay. And not just your way within, how am I going to say this? It's not just like your way within the society that does it this way. So like, how do I figure out how to be me in a way that can fit into the society? Like you're literally defining what your success is and what your lifestyle looks like. And it's not about trying to fit in. It's just about figuring out who you are. Yeah. Yeah. Well said, Rachel. Well said. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. It's really cool. I can say it because for many, many years, I have felt like such a weirdo, and I use that word as a term of endearment, um, but um, I like I didn't feel like I fit in, but I was trying to figure out how to be me in a way that could fit into the stru- existing structures, and it was very difficult, and I felt like I was always just like banging my head against a wall, and then when I realized that it's all made up and I can do whatever the fuck I want. <laughs> Um, and just started doing it and not worrying about how I was going to fit in or how, you know, society's expectations were going to receive me. Um, it allowed me to just like let go and do it my way and did not need, you know, the validation or the whatever I was seeking. So I think that's why I can see it in you is because I've, I struggled through it for a while (laughs) for myself. Yeah. It's such, it's definitely a relief. Mm. A lot of weight has been lifted off my shoulders and just really trying to let go of what people, what people think, you know, if I want to hold up in my apartment all weekend and not talk to anyone, I'm, I'm cool with that. And just trying to not care what anyone else thinks about it. Yeah. That sounds like a real good weekend to me, (laughs) Jesse. Janelle, you always want to do. Janelle always talks about that. Like when we'd be in Milwaukee, she'd be like, Seriously, I just don't want to see anyone. I just want to sit on my couch. <laughs> I feel like that's cool, I guess. It is cool. Yeah. There's power in that. There's, there I would just say it's like being the you're your true introvert that has like extroverted qualities. But like for me and the, the jobs I do and the roles I do, and maybe Jesse, you can relate to this, like teaching, like teaching fitness classes or teaching trainings. I love it and it lights me up but it takes so much energy out of me. And so as much as I love that and I love being able to like pull that person out of me and there's enjoyment in that, it's not sustainable for me in the long term. So like once I'm done with that, it's like, nope, I need to be by myself, not doing anything. (laughs) No more people. (laughs) Right. Need time to reset, like Mm -hmm. low stimulus. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah you are working to or sometimes you're working to make sure that you're like not worrying about what other people think I I guess how do you do that how have you found that works for you when in those moments you're like getting wrapped up in what maybe somebody thinks or someone has said how do you get back to you this part of my life is going to be a lifelong journey Mm. and, and, um, working through that. So I grew up in a family that had some substance abuse issues. And so I've learned that people pleasing is a character, a strong characteristic I have. Once I moved back to Milwaukee and on my journey to figure myself out, um, I started going to a 12 step program. That's centered around that. And so I really learned a lot through going to those meetings and it was really insightful and listening to some of the, a lot of the older people talk. Um, they just shared so much wisdom. And so I think like so much of things, like I talked about the minimalism, it starts with awareness and I, you know, we're just, like I said, so used to our routines. It's just getting down to the basics and being aware of, you know, why am I a people pleaser? 
and where does that come from? I think that that helps move me one small step forward with that awareness. Yeah, so that that program has really, really helped me a lot. I haven't been going as much lately, but it's it's something I still struggle with. I want everyone to like me. That's really, really important to me. What comes along with that is um, having a hard time saying no. That's something I, I really struggle with. And so, you know, I'm aware of it, you know, and I think I have gotten better at saying no, but I'm still definitely working on that. It's like I could have moved back from California and been like, all right, you know, like I'm going to get a job and just keep going in the same direction. But I was like, I want something to change and I'm going to do a huge overhaul and it's going to be hard and it's going to hurt, but I want to live a different life. I told myself I was ready to do the work. And so much of it, it was just sitting with, with the discomfort and the pain. Like if I want to say, if I really want to say no, and I feel that yes coming out, it's like, okay, pause, give it a little time, get quiet, see what's going on behind that, and then act. So I think it's, you know, even with the people pleasing and so much of life is about learning to act versus react. That's yeah. A, yeah. So it's so cool. It was such a, it's a courageous self inquiry. And what's so funny is that I would consider myself a very courageous self inquirer as well. And I never came at it through minimalism. So I just love the invitation that you can get to those awarenesses and those insights about yourself through so many different modalities and um, really trusting, you know, what speaks to you and what lights your fire for you. Minimalism was, was the thing that got you to overhaul. You know, for me, it was choosing to shave my head and move to Canada started the wheels, you know? And so it's for everybody, it's a little different and that's okay. So it's, it's not necessarily that, you know, minimalism is the thing, you know, it's about whatever feels right for you to be able to get into that space where you can actually have a conversation with yourself and ask yourself questions and allow yourself to see what comes up, which you're doing so beautifully. It's really amazing. Thank you. Yeah, minimalism mm-hmm. definitely helps to slow things down. I will say that for sure. Yeah. <laughs> so cool. Very cool. So Jesse, if you could describe how you follow your true north in one word, what would that word be? Mindful or mindfully. I re- like I said, I really try and slow things down. And I'm typically one that takes a long time to process through things. Like if there's a challenge in my life, I'm not going to just react. I'm going to sit on it, maybe even sometimes longer than others would like, but I really take the time to process through it and choose my words carefully. I've tried to take that into all aspects of my life. Um, I was in a day job I wasn't happy with. You know, I really looked at that and, you know, what changes I could make there. Um, In my relationships with family, I just, in try and be mindful in all those and be present to set down my phone when I'm with family members or friends and resist the urge to pull it out and check my text messages. They say when you're washing the dishes, you can be mindful. Just pay attention to the water running, you know, over your hands and what the the soapy water feels like. You know, I'm, I'm far from perfect and I get wrapped up in the hustle and bustle of life. But, you know, just trying to slow it down at some point in the day has made a, a big difference. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. You're inspiring, Jesse. Oh, thank you. You are. You're like this wise soul. I was like, <laughs> I came in a little bit frantic and I feel very calm right now. That's Aww. what I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> you have that effect, though. You really do. Like, I love it. It's yeah. it's true. Like, whenever I'm around you, like, there's just sort of, you, like, radiate this this peacefulness that, you know, mm-hmm. you can feel when you're around you. And it, it does. Like, whenever I speak with Jesse, it's just, like, there's comfort and there's calm. Yeah. Wow. That's Yeah, and that's so interesting because half the time I feel like my brain's out of control and I, you know. <laughs> It's going 100 miles a minute. That's, yeah, that's well, cool. I was say, it doesn't show, apparently. <laughs> no. And, and I feel like the more I talk to people about this kind of stuff and, like, more, I, every, I feel like that's just the human condition. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, 
racing brain. <laughs> yeah, totally. Totally. What small steps can you take to yeah. slow it down even just a little bit? Yeah. Because there's a lot of magic in there. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> yes, there is. Awesome. Well, Rachel, do you have any more questions for Jesse? No, I'm just sad that I have to get off the phone, and I'm really glad that we are still planning another Ragnar so I can see I, your I know. mug again. I, I was just about to be like, Ragnar 2019. Yeah. yeah. I, I wanted to, to be sooner. <laughs> I know. I, might, I know. I hear you. I might do a Ragnar in Texas this fall with uh, Courtney. Ooh, a road one or the trail? I think it's a trail one. Yeah, there's some of the people at my work – um, heard me say that I did it while well, I wear the hat like almost every single day <laughs> yes. and they were like would you do another one if it was in Texas I was like are you asking me that right now I mean it's a hell yes like <laughs> obviously <laughs> and then Courtney was like I'm in if you're doing it in Texas I'm in I was like okay <laughs> so awesome. we I'll should let you guys know I say we should get the group text going so we can uh, confirm yeah. which one we are doing and where we're going agreed mm-hmm Cool, cool. Well, thank you, Jesse, so much for taking the time to talk with us. And I mean, as always, it's great to hear from you. Yeah, of course. It was my pleasure. <laughs> yeah. Hey, Jesse, if anyone did want to reach out to you about minimalism or anything, would you be open to that? Yeah, definitely. Where, where should they reach out to you since you're not on, on social media? I know. No, well, <laughs> yeah. So my, my email address thinking about, it, I'm like, I think, I think email is, is the only way these days. So yeah, it's J <laughs> J E S S E G I T T E R at gmail.com. Cool. Awesome. Perfect. Well, thank you, Jesse. all been hanging out with the true north collective podcast for more from rachel and i make sure to check us out on instagram at the true north collective underscore we will be back next week with more stories of people fearlessly finding their true north until then we'll see you later